the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Well, I'm excited this morning to continue a trilogy of sermons called A Spiritual Journey. So this is part two, the first part of that series I did at the beginning of the year, Surrender to Love. Uh, The last time that we were together, we explored knowing God. I talked about knowing God, and not just as a possibility, but a reality. And uh, because I want you to hear this, knowing God is a reality because God desires and initiates knowing us. So I want, you to, uh, uh, I want you to just get into this. Now, a couple weeks ago, I gave you an assignment on the back of our notes about gospel meditation. Anybody remember that? That freak anybody out like, what? Meditation? Wait a minute, right? I talked, I talked about going into Mark chapter 10. There, I've given it to you, the story of the rich young ruler. Anybody remember what I'm talking about here? How many of you were able to do that gospel meditation? Anybody? Several of you. I'm so glad. Here, here's why. Because God is looking for transformation in us. He wants something to change. And if it's just about church attendance, listen to me. Please go home. God isn't interested in church attendance. If it just becomes a box on your counter, we got to go to church. God God is looking for us to be different. And if if you're still struggling and you're still stuck with the same old stuff that you were before you knew Christ, listen to me now, maybe nothing really happened. Maybe you just adhered to a religious structure, some religious expectations. I got to go to church. I have to have a Bible. I got to learn these songs in church. Listen, I love you, beloved, but I can think of a lot better things I'd want to do on a Sunday morning if, if it's just about attendance. Please, I will sleep in on Sunday morning. I will sleep in on Sunday mornings. Because it's more than just attendance. God is looking to transform our lives. He wants to change us. But if all we're doing is just coming here, well, mm. gospel meditation, and I explained a couple weeks ago, if you didn't get to uh, see that that day, I encourage you to go online, listen to the teaching, listen to it as I explain, and the notes are there on how to do gospel meditation. But it's about reading a story, and in this particular case, it was the rich young ruler, And it's inserting yourself. I know people get nervous when you talk about using your imagination and the Bible, but it's inserting yourself in the story and say, if I was sitting in the room when that was happening and Jesus was having this conversation, what would my response have been? Who would I have been in that? And and just begin to spend time, listen to this, with Jesus as he spent time with humanity. And so I want to encourage you to go back to that. Now, I'm going to get the notes out. If you don't have the notes, raise your hands. Ushers, would you get those out to everybody? If you don't have notes, I have them three-hole punched because I want you to hold on to these. I'm giving you something. Listen, this is a journey, and it's an open book test. God allows this. God allows this. I'm going to need notes on how to get through this next week because somewhere along the line, I'm not going to have an answer. I'm going to need to know what to do. If you don't have those, you can get those. Uh, Also, you can open up your app. If you don't have the app, get on the App Store or the Google Play, uh, and you can get our app on there, the sanctuarychurch.com slash app. You can get that. But I want you to take these notes. This week and next week, I'm going to begin the process of knowing yourself. Knowing who you are. Now, knowing who you are is a big piece. 
Now, I just first, uh, as, be, as I get into knowing yourself, uh, I, I want to thank you for letting me go to Thailand. It was awesome. I got to go this last week uh, while Pastor Jonathan and Don, wow, communion. I am so glad we record these services because I heard Pastor Jonathan and Don, I was like, what now? It was so good. If you didn't get to hear it, I encourage you to hear it. But I got to go to Thailand, and, um, and it, was, it was amazing. I had a great time with my daughter, my son-in-law, who are there. They are living in Thailand. They've been there almost two years now, fighting human trafficking with Zoe Children's Homes, a beautiful organization we support as a congregation uh, and loving what they're doing. But I, I had to miss my birthday here in the States. So, and that was a real bummer because I was like, oh. But this morning, I came back. And this is what was waiting for me. It, some of you are going to be jealous. This is what was waiting for me in my office. Look at this. Huh? Oh, wait. It gets better. Watch this. Oh. They, and, and they just, you just you have a little button right here. Look at this. Oh, look at this. So I'm going to wear these for the rest of service. Because this is who I am. Will that be distracting? Yeah. Think about, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Get, come on. Oh, look. It gets better in the dark. Oh. Yeah, how many times I've seen little kids with these and go, oh, they need to make those in adult sizes. They do. I got a pair. And, and no, I won't do it because I, I know my ADD would be like freaking out if I, if I had to do this, you know, so I'm going to see if I can turn these off, right? There's that one. Okay, so I got these for my birthday. Happy birthday to me. It's awesome. And I got pirate socks too. Oh, I love my pirate socks. That's part of knowing myself. I like light up shoes. No, uh, I, I want to talk to you about knowing yourself. And, and I realize this, this kind of makes some people nervous because you're like, well, what exactly are you talking about? I want to get into that this morning because I believe that God has a gift for you today. God has a gift for you today. Uh, we often speak of people as being self-made. You ever heard that phrase? A self-made man, self-made woman, right? Th th that's really not true because no one is really their own creation. Uh, personhood isn't an accomplishment. It's a gift. And it's a gift given to us by God. Those self-made people are often busy worshiping their creator. You ever notice that? Self-made people always self-worship, right? But what we're going to see in, later in this series is that our true self, the self that we're becoming in God, is something that we receive from God. And that's what I want you to receive this morning. Any and all other identities that we can come up with, that we can attach ourselves to, are of our own making. And those identities, I want you to hear, hear are an illusion. Whew, they will be gone. They'll, they'll be blown just like smoke, cleared away. Because when we take stock and we go, oh, this is who I am, and I'm going to talk about that this morning, we, we begin to find out how short-lived that is. Careers come and go. Life, the Bible says, is a breath. And if I take my identity as who I'm married to or my children or anything like that, it's just gone before I know it. Knowing ourselves begins by knowing the me that is known by God. Who, who does God know me to be? That's the thing I want to embrace. Thomas Merton was a monk, and he said this with his tongue firmly planted in his cheek. To be unknown by God is altogether too much privacy. God wants to know us. 
I want you to hear this. He initiated the process of knowing you personally. God initiated this process. And the possibility of knowing ourselves is grounded in the fact that we already are known to and by God. God knows who we are. Similarly, the, pro- the possibility of knowing God is grounded in the fact that God already knows us. He knows us already. This is the first one of your notes. If you want to know who you are, it begins by noticing how God looks at us. When God sees you, what does he think? Listen now. I, I want you to answer this question. When God sees you, what does he think? I can tell you for many years when I answered that question, it was, hmm, he's back. We're going to need a full team of angels to clean up this mess. (laughs) What am I going to do with him? That's, That's what I used to think when God saw me. I used to think that he just was like, for, for many years, I actually imagined, I, I actually had a picture that Jesus showed up in heaven with me tagging behind like a, a stray dog. He followed me home, can we keep him? <laughs> Flea-bitten, scrawny, scraggly, mutt of a dog. And out of obligation, God just couldn't say no to his only son. All right, we'll let you keep him. <laughs> but, but I got to tell you, for many years, I was just a source of God's disappointment. Who, who signed him up anyway? How did he get in here? <sighs> but you know what? We are deeply loved. Most people are convinced that God is mad at them. Yeah, he's preoccupied with their sins and shortcomings. And I wonder, are they right? And and then I think some people are convinced that God doesn't take any personal interest in humans. And, And I wonder, are they right? No, I'm convinced that God loves each and every one of us with a depth, with a persistence, and an intensity beyond imagination. And I know that some of you are right now wondering, is he right? I want to explore that with you. God doesn't simply like us. He loves us with a passionate, absorbed interest. He cannot help but seeing us through the eyes of love. And that love, listen to me clearly, has nothing to do with our faithfulness or our unfaithfulness. God's love for us has nothing to do with our faithfulness or our unfaithfulness. God's unconditional, unlimited, and unimaginably extravagant love does not change. That's what makes Christian identity, the Christian identity, so unique in the marketplace of spiritualities because that's our identity. Wait a minute, I'm loved. The relationship between God and me, and again, among spiritualities, the world market of spiritualities, 
Only Christianity is focused on there's a love connection between God and man. Our existence makes no sense apart from God's love. You hear that? Write it down. Love is our identity and our calling. Love is our identity and our calling. We are children of love, created from love, of love, and for love. Don't you forget it. I know. I was taught a lot of other things. I think that's where I got my view of I was a disappointment. I was taught a lot of things of why I was created because God needed to use me and he wants my gifts. And mm, No, he just wants to love me. And you know what? We can't know our true self unless we begin with the knowledge of how deeply we are loved by God. God wants you to know who he created you to be, who you are Listen to this, and the Bible says, hidden in Christ. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans, would you please? Romans. Paul says this in Romans chapter 8. Oh, man, I'm telling you right now, imagine a, a, nice, a, a nice jacuzzi at the right temperature, perfect starry night, kind of cool, a little bit cool, crisp outside, and allow this to wash over you right now. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. It's about to get better, but wait, there's more. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, until we dare to believe this, until we dare to believe this, we remain in the elementary grades of the school of Christian spiritual transformation. Got our little lunchbox, I'm going, Take nap time, recess. God wants us to grow up. He's looking for maturity. And that maturity comes with transformation. I'm going to hit it again and again and again. It comes with transformation. Transformation and true maturity is when we think of who we are, the first thing that comes to mind is our status as someone who is deeply loved by God. That's when you know you're getting mature. That the first thing you think of as your status before God is someone who is deeply loved. And I want to avoid, for me personally, I want to avoid being defined by my role. But I got to tell you something. When I'm asked to introduce myself, I'm likely to do what everybody else does. Give vocational descriptions. 
Who are you? I'm a doer. But that's not what really concerns me. I can kind of fix that if, if I work at it. What concerns me is if and when that identity is made vulnerable. Oh, you're a pastor, huh? <gasps> you know what I do? I think of past accomplishments or future projects or things that will make me valid or things that will make you approve of me and I, and I try and pile up these. That's what concerns me that I'm reinforcing this identity that's based on what I do. It tells me at that moment, and I can feel it happen, I'm really not who I am. I think I'm what I do. And that's not who I am. Because that comes and goes. Think of the jobs that you've had. The years that you've been alive. I love this job. This is the best job ever. Not doing that anymore. The relationships we've had. Where do you put your identity? Again, it's all illusion. The only thing that lasts is my identity in him. That I am loved. Nothing can separate me from that. Layoffs can separate me from the job I loved. Divorce. Death can separate me from the people that I love. Nothing in all of creation. Jesus, rather than being seen by what he does, presents a radical contrast. His identity is defined by his relationship to his father. Yeah. This is who he was. And you see it right away. At his baptism in Matthew 3.17, Jesus hears this. This is what he hears. This declaration of love for him that is said before he's done anything. No miracles, no blind seeing, lame walking, dead rising, walking on water, water into wine, fish and bread for the multitude. He's done jack nothing. This is my son whom I'm pleased. And it's this relationship to the Father that was the basis of how he experienced and understood himself. But I gotta tell you, if we're gonna experience genuine transformation, we're gonna need to encounter and embrace those previously unwelcomed parts of ourself. Now listen to me, because I know this is gonna get tricky for some. They're gonna go, wait a minute. We tend to think of ourselves as having already accomplished a unified self. This is who I am. What, what I call I is really a family of many part selves. Here's how it happens. Someone says something to me and I go, and I act like this and I go, whoa, why did I just do that? Or someone says something to me and I revert to this old pattern of the way I used to act and talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Something triggers me. We use this phrase, somebody pushed my buttons. And one minute I'm this mature person, the next person I'm like, who is that? What in the world am I doing? What caused me to do that? Why did I act like that? And while many of these part selves are unknown to us, others 
usually know them. Sometimes we are unaware. Lack of self-awareness. But other people go, oh, I knew that about you. How long have you known that? It's the way you always act. When this and this and this happen, you respond with that. How did you? I didn't even know that. Other people are pretty much in touch with those little parts of who I am. Oh, yeah, whenever you're around your family, you always do, hmm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whenever you get around your dad, you always, hmm. Anytime your ex-wife comes up, you, hmm. These are all bits and pieces of who I am. And God says, listen, none of that, listen to me, none of that is really who you are. I don't want to take all that away from you. This is on your notes, allowing God to accept me just as I am. Gets me accepting myself. And this is essential. I'm going to say it like this. When we can accept our acceptedness, you're accepted. Accept it. <laughs> I, know, I know it sounds funny. You're accepted. Accept it. <laughs> I can't. Because I know what I did, and I know what I thought. And I can love you with my mouth, but hate you with my mind. I know that about me. But self-acceptance is based on self-knowing. I can't accept myself if I don't know who I am or who I'm supposed to be accepting. And transformation is always preceded by self-acceptance. Listen to me. I can't accept myself if I don't know who I am. Knowing who I am allows me to accept myself, which brings about the transformation I'm looking for, the transformation God is wanting. Why are you the same person you were 10 years ago? There's no transformation, which is the goal of the Christian life, to be more like Jesus today. You know where I'm going, right? That's transformation. And the self that we accept is the self that we truly are. And, before, and that's before we start any self-improvement projects. Our reality has to be embraced before it can be changed. That's who I am. We're going to remain superficial until we accept ourselves as God accepts us. Listen to me, fully and unconditionally, just as we are. That's who God loves, that's who God accepts, that's who God has a connection to, me, as me. And as God accepts us just as we are, I want you to know that that's not in conflict with God's longing for our wholeness. God wants us to be whole, but until we're prepared to accept who we actually are, we are blocking God's transforming work in making us into our true self. Again, the one that's hidden in God. And if God loves and accepts us as sinners, how can we do less? If God accepts us as a sinner, broken, how can I not accept myself? but we do whatever we have to to stay away from that. That's where we self-medicate. We've got a list of medications a mile long. Shopping, approval, chocolate, food. Oh, we got all kinds of things. Applause, 
And so we self-medicate to stay off the bottom, and that's where God wants to meet us. Are you done with you? Are you finished yet? Like a two-year-old trying to tie their shoes. Are you done? You want me to tie it? No, I'm going to do it. I can do it. You don't know how to tie your shoes. You can't tie your shoes. And I try so hard. We've got to be willing to embrace the reality of who we are. And only then can we become who we are most deeply called to be. Now, before I continue, some Christians get all upset at the suggestion that self-acceptance must precede transformation. I've heard the arguments. They will argue that self-acceptance is the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do with the parts of ourself that don't honor God. You know, what we're supposed to do, they'll say, is crucify those parts, not embrace them. And Scripture is pretty clear on the importance of crucifying our sin nature. Just before Romans 8.38, just up the page there, in verse 13, Paul is talking about our sin nature. He says, you know, you don't have to, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature wants you to do. And then he says this, listen to this. For if you live by its, the sinful nature, if you live by your sinful nature's dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, these three words. You you like those three words? I I don't know about you, but I've spent my life pursuing those three words. I have hurt people, hurt myself in the pursuit of trying to find life. I want to live life large. I want to live life big. I want, I want to embrace everything. And so I push people out of the way. Yeah, it's mine. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In the pursuit of I want to live, I will hurt you. But all of our attempts to eliminate the, these things, our sinful nature, all the attempts to eliminate those things, if we haven't first accepted them as part of us, it's all about denial, not crucifixion. Well, that's not me. That's not, it's not, I, I, don't, I don't have that problem. Maybe you do. Ask your friends. No, that's not, that's not part of who I am. This is in your notes. Crucifixion should be directed toward our sin nature, but we've got to first accept it as our nature, not simply human nature. Sin nature is me. It's not them. Well, they're screwed up. Well, they have problems. Well, she, she's just a total mess. Well, you know, those guys, they're like that, but not me. Oh, no. Sin nature is in every single one of us, and until we embrace the sin nature and go, this is who I am, we cannot give it back to God. The key is surrender. Only after we know and accept everything that we find within ourselves can we develop a discernment to know what's supposed to be crucified and what's supposed to be embraced. But only until I accept it. It's the stuff about ourselves, the stuff that we refuse to acknowledge that's given increased power and influence by our failure to accept it. It's the junk that we're trying to avoid 
that eventually ends up tormenting us. Right? Self-acceptance. It's your last notes here. Doesn't increase the power of things that need to be eliminated. It weakens them. We've got to accept this as who we are. And it's like, I know I'm about to totally date myself here, but I think you'll walk with me. It's like the old SLR cameras, the film in the back, you pop open that door. That film's got to be kept in the dark to keep those images that the enemy wants to bring as evidence at our trial. I've got pictures of him doing it right on this camera. And God goes, pop. And all those pictures are exposed and good for nothing when they're brought into the light of his glorious presence. And I like to tie these two scriptures in 1 John and in James. Confess your sins to God. He's faithful to forgive you of your sins. Confess your sins to one another. You'll be healed. But we don't like confession. I'm not telling anybody that. You think I'm going to tell people what I'm... No way. I'm talking about that. that. In fact... I'm not only not going to talk about it, that's not me. Bing. I don't have a problem with that. Maybe you do. Beloved. Beloved, listen. Listen to how hard we're trying. We try so hard. Before we can surrender ourselves, we must become ourselves yeah because everybody knows that we can't give up what we don't possess if I don't own that about me I can't give it away about me and it happens instantaneously that is me take it Lord but I can't give it to him as long as I'm living in denial that it is who I am I'm broken I'm a mess it's the best because every time I go, <gasps> I gotta first acknowledge that's who I am. And ultimately, I want you to hear something. Self-acceptance comes before self-surrender and self-transformation. I keep using, it's what I call in church, the S word, surrender. Nobody likes the S word in church. Because surrender is about weakness. And weakness is about giving up rights that we have to be strong. And God says, I need you to surrender. I can't surrender. But listen, acceptance, that's, that's who I am, leads to surrender, which leads to transformation. D- did you see the process here? First, I just have to acknowledge, that is me. Yep, that's me. I own that. I give that. I am changed by that. This is what God is after. And as we see how deeply loved we are by God, in the depths of our complexity, in the depths of our sinfulness, when we dare to allow God more complete access to the dark places of our soul that need transformation, watch what happens. And and you know what? God goes before us on this journey. He's waiting to meet us in the depths of ourself. He's already there. God's just been waiting. I've been waiting for you. See, again, we avoid staying off the bottom. Do whatever you have to do to not reach that place. And so, again, we self-medicate. We get connected to relationships that we find identity, all kinds of stuff. 
But God goes, wait, I want you to come to me in your brokenness. No, I won't face my brokenness. So I'll drink a little of this, smoke a little of that, hang out with these people, earn this amount of money. And God goes, you know, none of that's going to solve this problem, right? The only thing that solves this problem is first that you acknowledge you have a problem, own the problem, give me the problem, and I'll change the problem. Moving truths such as God loves me. The longest 18-inch journey in the world to get it out of my head and into my heart. For the Bible tells me so. Loves me. He loves me so much. And it is very possible. I want you to know that it's very possible to make this transformation journey. But I need you to hear something really clearly as I close up. It's only as we journey with others. You cannot do this on your own. No, it cannot be done on your own. And we like, we like independence. We like people not being in our business, knowing what's going on in our lives. Me and God, we'll handle it. Deep knowing of perfect love Deep knowing of perfect love is just like the deep knowing of ourselves. It demands that we have spiritual friendships. Who are you hanging out with? Are they on this road? Do they want this change too? No one should ever expect to make this journey on their own. It's not the way it was designed to be done. He said, I need, I need you to know how much you need one another. And that's part of our deep the deep self of who I really am. Who I really am. And now people go, yeah, well, I just like being alone. That's the broken part of you. That's not the way God created you. I don't need other people. You're in more trouble than you can imagine. And the knowing of self and of God that I'm talking about I want you to hear that it depends on the fact that we are accompanied by others on our journey into the heart of God to encourage us, to strengthen us, to walk with us. Say, come on, we could do this. Come on, we got this. We. God wants to bring transformation. He wants, he wants you to experience a love that transforms how you see yourself, and how you see others around you. And we've been wounded. Oh, man, have we been wounded from those people who are supposed to love us best. Yeah. I get it. And he gets it. Jesus was here, remember? He experienced everything we experience. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by brothers and sisters. He knows. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by your best friend. I don't know who he is. I'm not one of them. What? You and me, we walked on water together, bro. 
Huh? Jesus knows. And he wants to transform us. But it comes as we go before him and say, okay, I am that broken person. I, I got to fix this, and I can't. I don't have the goods to fix it. This is the best of what I got. <laughs> Not so much. The best of what I have I presented, and it's still falling way short. So you know what? I accept who you say I am. I am broken. I am a sinner. Sin nature is not them. Sin nature is me. And because of that, now that it is mine, I give that to you. I surrender that to you. And in my surrender, transformation comes out of that. That's what we want. I want to be transformed. Listen, I'm the pastor. I don't want to go to church just to go to church. Really? I used to think this was eternity. Oh my gosh, we're going to be in church forever? As a kid, I used to think, church for eternity? That's before I understood and before I discovered that it's love for eternity. That I am, that I am, nothing can separate me. I go, Count me in, man. And that's when I owned and separated and surrendered and said, whoa, be done. Keep doing the thing in me. Let me pray. <laughs> Before I do, may I just say, that was good. Okay, listen, you, 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 need, you need to go and, and you need to hear this again this week. You need to listen to this again when it gets out and when we record it and you get to chat. You need to hear this again because I know some of you are going, really? I don't know. I thought I had to work this thing out. Mm -mm. You need to hear this again. I gave you the scriptures. You know, I, I, that's why I give you all this stuff. I want you to walk with this. I'm putting the hole punches in because I want you to walk with this. It'll change the way you do your life. Or... You can keep going about your madness. Nice dead end. How many times are we going to hit that wall? Father, we come before you right now and we have these songs that we will sing, but I pray for transformation. I pray for a moment of change, a moment that we would embrace. That's my, that's my mess. I own that. That is what I have done. That, those are the things that I have. David said it. I have sinned and sinned against you alone. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that as we sing these songs, we would awaken to your love and your embrace. Let it be so, in Jesus' name. Let it be done.